Hey there, welcome to episode 72 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and I'm excited to have you here because we've got a second-time guest coming onto the podcast today. We're excited to welcome back Eric Baum from Blue Leads. Uh, they're down in Tampa, Florida, HubSpot Diamond Partner with some awesome growth stories. Eric and the team down there are doing some really cool things. And one of the biggest takeaways I had from this interview is that Eric and the team are not afraid to change things, test new things out, and continue to improve. And I think it's easy for small agencies to look and see that the grass is greener for the agencies that are larger, that are you know working with more clients, working with clients that are paying them more each month. But the reality is, as business owners, we always face challenges. We always need to overcome those challenges and continue to tweak things and improve things moving forward. And you're never going to know what's going to work until you test it out. So in this interview, Eric and I dive into some of the things they've been testing out, lessons that they've learned, and some new things that they'll be trying here soon when it comes to their pricing and the process behind that pricing model. So without further ado, folks, here we Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Eric, welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. We're so excited to have you here again. Um, For any folks who maybe didn't catch the last episode, just want to give us a little bit of an overview on who you are and how Blue Leads has come to be. Sure, Andrew. First off, thanks for having me back again. Enjoyed it the first time. Certainly will enjoy it this time. Um, so Blue Leads is a diamond partner, HubSpot diamond partner. We've been a partner since the very beginning days. So we found HubSpot in actually 2008, signed on HubSpot in 2009, and have grown with them right alongside HubSpot since then. In the last five years, we've grown by revenue and staff um, 100% three out of those five years and 70% two out of those five years. So we've on, we're on a pretty good traject- or, uh, path to growth this year. Probably at this stage, we're about 150% growth. Hoping to do a 200% growth this year. We'll see how the year pans out. That's fantastic. Well, congrats on that. You guys are just continuing to move and innovate and continue to do what you need to do to keep, to keep changing and moving forward. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so now a lot, a lot has happened since you were on the podcast last time. I mean, I'm trying to hit 200% growth this year. That's fantastic. Um, do you want to just kind of give us an update on how has your agency grown and evolved over the last year? Um, there's a couple of lessons I want to dive into, but just kind of give us an update on what's the general flow of how your growth has been over the past 12 months. Absolutely. You know, a couple of major things come to mind. First, we've increased pricing, right? So, you know, you'll hear this time and time again from some of the top tier partners. You need to charge more for your services. And, you know, we took heed of that advice and we've increased our pricing over the last 12 months um, twice. And actually at the end of this month, we're moving to a completely different pricing model, which we can talk about if you want. Um, But that's been part of it. So increasing our price and refining the services that we offer for those different price points has been a big factor for us in our growth. The other um, or second thing is that we're switching 
on you know switching gears on who we want to work with. We really have figured out who we want to work with and what defines our ideal customer profile. And we've gone as far as creating a prospect fit matrix that outlines you know high, medium, and low rated leads and who we and what is the defining qualities in each one of those. And so it's allowed us to say this lead that's coming through the front door is a really good fit for us and we want to work with them or they're not a really good fit for us. And so we've raised the bar over the last 12, 18 months of the clients that we're working with and that has naturally increased um, our revenue because they have higher budgets to work with. That's awesome. So we're growing in two ways. We're getting more um, getting more value or more dollars per customer and then also increasing the budget that each customer has to work with. That's an awesome profile. I've got a lot of follow-up questions off of the pricing stuff. So um, first of all, when you say you raise your prices twice in the last year, do you guys do that where it only impacts new clients that are signed on or do you have to go back to your current load of clients and let them know that they've got to pay up more for the services that they're getting right now? How have you guys kind of bridged that gap? So we have not been able to crack the code on yet, at least, on how to go back to current customers and say, yeah, what we were charging $3,000 a month for is we're now charging $5,000 a month for <laughs> And here's why, right? Like yeah. that would be great if I had figured that out, but I haven't. So it's only on new customers. I will say, though, that the new pricing model that we're going to roll out will help us to address that and, and really draw that line in the sand, so to speak, that can stop scope creep and really define what's involved at that price point or that budget level, and then we can upsell at that point. Okay, and that's an, I mean that's a line that all of us have been trying to walk for you know as long as agencies have been around. How do we walk this line between uh, you know the number of hours and the number of hours and resources that you and your team are putting into something versus the value that the client gets out at the other end of that process? Because you know, just because our team is efficient, we don't want to necessarily charge a low hourly rate, but we can't just tell the client how many hours something's going to take. Um, we've got to find that medium line. So I'm excited to learn more about that. Um, on the Before we get to where you guys are going, kind of as you've grown this past year, talk about how the services have changed and evolved. Because you mentioned that you've kind of learned some lessons about what services go in at different packages along the way. Um, were there specific uh, client cases where you kind of learned about that or just kind of like a slow evolution of how services fall into the different packages that you guys offer? You know, the biggest issue I think that, that needed to be dealt with that we've changed our mentality around was scope creep. So it, everybody, I mean, you know, we offer pricing and, and basic what's included in each level of, you know, basic professional and enterprise packages on our website and clients see that they walk through the front door of our site and, and they're able to kind of clarify, okay, here's about what I'm going to be getting for that different price point. The problem is, is when you get into that engagement, um, we don't necessarily do all of those things, right? We're doing more, yeah. mm -hmm. doing other things, or we're, you know, being led by the nose of our client and they're like, yeah, we want to do this. And we've got this new product coming out. We're doing all these things. So like, we really struggled with scope creep. And the way we dealt with that recently um, is two ways. First, you know, we're going to be offering a different pricing model at the, in August. But more importantly, 
with our existing clients, we really figured out that we weren't sticking to our strategy docs, right? So we'd create a quarterly strategy document that says, here's what we're going to do. And this is the things that we absolutely must get done. That's part of the scope of your budget or your campaign for this quarter. And if we don't do anything else but these, you're getting value and we're going to see results. Anything else gets put in the backlog and we'll get to it if we can in any given month. So really sticking to that monthly sprint mentality has enabled us to be very clear on what we're giving our client on a monthly and quarterly basis. That's awesome. So are you seeing that kind of expectations or assumptions, I would rather say, assumptions that you guys had bringing on new clients once you got into the trenches? Did you find that you were you had things in a contract that just didn't need to be done or did they want more than what you had promised up front? What was kind of the disconnect there? Both. So some of the things just don't didn't need to be done. Um, and like small stuff, like they they might be – like, oh, we want to do some, um, you know, intense persona development. Well, they don't necessarily need that for the level that they're at, right? Yeah. Um, or most of the time, it's really, they look at us, it's the scope creep issue, right? They look at us as like, okay, now, great, we've got an agency that can do everything under the sun for us. Let's just shove all this stuff over the fence and let them deal with it, right? <laughs> and, and we're like, that's not what you hired us for. You hired us for inbound strategy to produce visitors, leads, and customers and increase conversions for you that ultimately provides value through an ROI in dollars, right? And we're not your gopher. Yep. Amen. And, I mean, you guys have seen it, I'm sure. That's a, it's a constant theme when you talk to inbound marketing agencies. Yeah. It's like just setting expectations and maintaining then those expectations throughout the journey because if they can if they just visualize you as someone who can take crap off of their plate, that's all you're ever gonna be. You know, it's there's gotta be clear accountability along that path. Um that's awesome. So can you walk us through then um, this journey of how you arrived at this brand new pricing model? What were some of the conversations that you guys had internally that you had perhaps with other agency owners or how did you arrive at this new model and decide it was time to make a shift? Yeah, that's a tough one. So it, there's no like clear cut path. It's a culmination of a mashup of ideas that have come through, right? So you know, I'm a huge fan of modeling. So I listen to all the guys out there that are doing stuff, you know, Bob at Impact, Mike Square Two, Paul Rotzer over at PR 2020. And specifically, Paul, you know, started this whole point system movement, which I, back in the day, thought was like a year or so ago, was like, man, this is great. This, this is going to change the scope creep thing. Um, but ultimately, you know, that is part of what we're doing. But it really came down to that still kind of equates to, to a level of service or hours, so to speak. It's just, you know, it's just guising that whole hour conversation yeah. in, in a point system. So, like, it really works well if you're implemented. For us, we're like, man, we just can't – we don't want to spend that much time going through everything. So, you know, part of the conversations internally that we had was like, hey, we've got the scope crate issue. We know we're, we have never been able to clearly delineate a line in the sand from a 4,000 to a 6,000 or to a 10,000 and what's involved in all that. We need to do so. So 
So what we came up with is kind of a hybrid, and we're going to launch at the end of this month. And so we've got our basic, you know, $5,000 a month package, $8,000 a month package, $12,000 a month package. Very similar to a lot of agencies out there. What we said is, hey, we're doing all this work anyway at whatever price point, even at this, the lower level price point. What we're going to do is just charge $8,000 a month for inbound marketing services. And then we're going to layer on top of that different modules for like advanced GDD module, growth-driven design module, or paid media module, right, to do pay-per-click advertising or social media advertising or a video module, right? And so each one of these you can add on in a specific month or add on a continuous basis. So that might be an extra 1000 or $2,500 a month for each one of these different modules, depending on what it is. And you can take it or leave it um, as needed. So yeah. then your price will fluctuate. You're not locked into a contract. We do month-to-month -month agreements anyway. But that way, if they're like, oh, well, we want to do this video for XYZ, say, yeah, just add on the video module. That's you know the regular video module that's $1,500 a month. Well, that's the advanced video module that's $2,500 a month. We'll add that onto your, your account for this month. Tell us if you want to pull it off next month, whatever the case may be. Okay. So are you guys going out then and kind of looking over the past year, where are the areas where we've seen scope creep? And then identifying those instances and kind of pulling them out as like, you know, upsells almost that and creating that, that menu of uh, advanced modules from there? Or how do you guys arrive at that list of what, what is an advanced module versus what's included in the base package. Now you nailed it on the head, right? So these are the things that clients are asking for or we're including in the professional or enterprise edition of our current plans um, that they may or may not need at the given moment, right? And that has involved scope creep. Video is a perfect example. You know, people at a $5,000 a month budget will come to us and be like, yeah, we want to do X, Y, Z, and we got a few videos. Can you edit that? 30 hours later, we're like, wait a second. Yep. We should have charged <laughs> like five grand for this, right? Like this doesn't make any sense. We don't want to say no because we're like, yeah, we can do that. But now we can be like, sure, that's an advanced video module. Boom, that's an extra three grand for this month. Fantastic. You know, if you want to continue. So you're, you hit the nail on the head. We figured out where are our pain points, where scope, where is that scope creep happening? Let's take that, separate it out, and just leave us with a core inbound marketing list of services, right? The blogging, the SEO, the analysis, the social media promo, right? And some basic GDD services in that $8,000 a month as well because we're doing that stuff anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. Whether we're getting paid for it or not, we're doing it because we want to increase conversions. So. Gotcha. So you guys are really just trying to figure out how do we present the most value to the client up front? And then when they're trying to stretch us too far, how do we make sure that we meet the revenue on the backside? Couldn't have said it better, buddy. Giddy up. That's, that's fantastic. Um, now the thing that I'm most curious about is how do you on like, how do you put one inbound package out there in terms of frequency of publishing content that works for everybody else. Is there like a, is there an advanced module for more blogging or more things that would be included in that base package or how do you yeah. guys set that stuff up? Yeah. So 
the, what we're going to do is, you know, that 8,000 includes two, or two to three blog posts a week. If they want to do more and a certain number of offers, right? If they want to do more and like want to do an offer a month, that's the advanced content module. So that might be an extra two or three thousand dollars a month. I forget what it is. I got to go back and look. But, but you're absolutely right. So like they can scale up, but they can just scale up on the content portion. Okay. Rather than bumping up another four thousand to an enterprise package, and not, you know, saying, well, we don't need the, um, you know, online PR and and um, CEO promotion or speaker, you know, finding speaking engagements for executives. We don't need that portion of what you offer for enterprise. So it just allows them to pick and choose a little bit better. Gotcha. This is cool. Um, so is this, have you guys piloted this at all with any current clients or anything? Or is this kind of like August is the rollout for the very first time? So, you know, we are, we've got two or three deals in the works this month that that's part of, and that's how we priced it. Right, and we've explained it to them. Hey, this is a new pricing model that we're moving towards. It's it's exactly you know this is going to allow us to give you exactly what you need. So, for instance, we've got um, a deal in the works right now that you know they need that professional package, that level, which is the eight thousand dollar a month. But then they also need video services. So we do um, a basic video module for them. Gotcha. So when you were working with a client for the very first time, do you guys sell a discovery project, like a game plan or a strategy build first, or do you figure out what would be the best mix of modules for them based on the sales process and just kind of chatting through those different discovery meetings and stuff like that? Yeah, so we've got a defined sales process, much like what HubSpot has professed us we should be doing, right? There's step process and and very similar to a lot of other agencies out there. And so in that discovery process, in the sales process, we in answer to your question, no, we don't charge for that process. We don't charge for a game plan. We put together a game plan um, or plan of attack in that sales process based on a few different things, right? The results that they're looking for, obviously, the budget level that they actually have versus what we suggest to them as a budget level and is that a realistic number to go after and then you know what's most critical now where what areas do we need to attack and what areas in the future could you could that client spend money on but they don't have that budget right now but they will have that budget freed up once we've produced some results and then we can attack those areas and double down and get a better ROI on it very cool. One thing that excites me about this model is how I think you'll be able to, like once your your account managers pick it up and, and start implementing it, you're going to keep people more engaged, I would think, in the process because you've got, you've almost got like the baseline package has people engaged in the, the things they need to be doing on an ongoing basis, but the advanced modules get them thinking outside the box, outside of the regular recurring aspects that need to happen, and you're almost engaging them and how do we push forward and keep pushing the envelope so it's not like inbound marketing with Lulies is just going to kind of sit back there and just run. It's going to be something that needs to be engaged, and there's strategy conversations that are happening at least every month. And I think that'll be a cool way to keep your clients engaged through that process. Yeah, and it solves two problems, right? Like first, it allows us to set a benchmark for our existing clients. Okay, Mr. Client, you're at a basic level now. You know, we're giving you 
you know, this $8,000 value for $6,000 now because you're an existing customer. But moving forward, here's some options to expand, you know, on our service offering that'll provide more value for you and this list of six or eight different things. It gives them, it allows us to stop scope creep, but it allows them to have a list of options to double down if they so choose, right? And gotcha. same thing for, for new clients. For us, for the existing clients, it really draws that line in the sand. Um, and for new clients, it's just a natural evolution of if we're really providing value, then they can add on these other sections. Gotcha. Now, when you're, when you're looking at new clients, can you walk us through what the prospect fit matrix is and how you guys arrived at that so that you can kind of filter through leads and figure out who's worth following up with and who might not fit that profile? Sure. So I may not be able to quote it directly because I don't have it in front of me. Here's one thing I will say. We were not the architect of this. Um, myself and Rob, who now is the marketing manager for Blue Leads, he was actually going to be doing SDR, sales development rep for us in, in-house here. We went up to HubSpot for a week and trained, went through HubSpot's SDR and select sales process under the tutelage of Justin Hyatt, who's the global VP or global director of SDR for them, right? Okay. And he said, come up. He took a handful of agencies and their sales rep and said, come up. I want to put you through this process so that you guys can learn how we do it, take it back and implement it. So they had a prospect fit matrix built out for HubSpot. And their customer is essentially our customer, right? We had to make yeah. very little tweaks to it. Um, and we did. We tweaked it. But it's, it's essentially you know, a spreadsheet that has about eight different items on it, let's say, and the various levels of those items. So you know, an example that I can think of top of my mind right, is like you know, the size of the company. Um, so if it's a startup, for instance, if it's, um, if it's a large company, then it may not, not, that might be a medium fit for us, right? Because if it's too large of a company, then they probably have an internal staff that can do what we do, right? Gotcha. Yep. So they might just be looking for a second opinion, which is fine, but not a long-term outsourcing opportunity for us. A medium-sized company, however, would be a very good or high-rated lead because they probably have a couple people inside their marketing department, but they don't have the internal bandwidth for designers and copywriters and inbound marketing strategists and paid strategists, paid media strategists, video strategists, right? So they need us. But a low-rated lead might be like a startup, right? A startup is like a one-man, two-man operation, 10-man operation, but they need leads like immediately to fund their business. And so we all know inbound marketing doesn't happen overnight. Um, And they're typically going to be a real pain in the butt to deal with, right? Because their sense of urgency is so high. So we see startup or like not necessarily a good deal for us unless they're the right size startup and they're well-funded. Yeah, so that's... Getting a client fit figured out and identifying that ideal prospect is not only going to make the sales process more efficient and allow your SDR to know, like, where am I spending my time doing that most efficiently, but it's got to make the servicing team so much happier now 
that the deals that are closing are kind of fitting a model that's healthier for them. Can you walk us through kind of the way that your kind of the clients that you work with has evolved over the, over time? Um, you mentioned that you're kind of moving kind of upstream in, in terms of the size of the companies. How has that evolution happened and what lessons have you guys learned along that way? Sure. So, you know, back in the day, um, we would, we were attracting a small businesses primarily. Right. And, and so we were taking them back in the day. We we're like, yeah, we'll take whatever we can get. We're growing. We need that money, whether it's $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month, we'll take it. And what we found is very similar to the, the startup scenario in the prospect fit matrix is that most of the time, small businesses require too much don't from you, time and effort, right, um, and hand-holding, and they don't have the budget or the freedom um, to sit back and wait for the results to compound and come in, and, you know, meaning three to six months, right? And so – and they don't have a whole lot of opportunity for – or they're not in that mindset of, yeah, if I pour more fuel on the fire – I five thousand or six thousand or eight thousand dollars a month. I'm going to see more return because yep. they may not have the cash flow to be able to do that, right? And so we recognize that. And as just, it's not like we intentionally designed it. Like, all right, now we're going to go after medium-sized companies. The hell with these small businesses. <laughs> it just kind of happened, right? As we grew as an organization. And the word grew inside of HubSpot and the HubSpot community. We just started naturally attracting these larger organizations. And when I say larger, you know, size of the company might be a few hundred people to, you know, a thousand. Or the revenue is typically, you know, 25 million up to a couple hundred million. And then we've got a few in that, you know, billion, two billion dollar range um, that are customers that are, you know, they're probably not the best customers, right? Um, it's that medium-sized business that we really want to work with because we can make a big difference with gotcha. those guys. That's awesome. Now, how has, how has this evolution impacted your staff? Because you guys have really scaled your team uh, over the past few months. So what has that process been like, not only growing the client base, but growing your team and having to manage that team? It's easier to scale a team uh, and grow if you have small businesses as a client, right? Those, those say, 1 to 10 million to tw- maybe even 25 million in revenue. And here's why because you can hire people straight out of school and train them and, and get them implemented, and they're working, they're working really well, right? Because they're doing inbound marketing the way you taught it, taught them to do it, um, and the client doesn't know any better, right? They have no idea what inbound marketing is, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, that's great," you know. The problem is, is when you move into that mid-tier level, now you're working with CMOs and VPs of marketing. They've been in business for a while. They're usually educated on what inbound marketing is, and they've got a good idea and a good grasp on things, and so. The level of expertise that you need from your IMCs and from your copywriters, designers needs to be higher, right? Now, if you've grown and evolved like we have, our staff who started two, three, four years ago 
they now have that expertise. And so, you know, we're able to provide that expertise naturally. Yeah. And with you. Yeah. And, and now we can afford to hire people in at a higher level than what we could when we first started out getting kids straight out of school or inexperienced people. Um, so it, it just compounds on itself, right? Gotcha. Okay. And then has that, has that changed up like your strategies for recruitment at all? Have you guys had to, I know you moved offices recently. Was that a part of it? Um, how have you guys continued to grow the team to make sure you've got the right talent to handle these bigger accounts? Boy, that's a good question. A couple of things come to mind. First, we've let some people go that were just not bringing their A game. So we really look at the team now as like, okay, I need rock stars. Whereas before, you know, four years ago, I said, I need bodies, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and so we've contracted a little bit on staff. Like at the beginning of this year, we had 22 people. Now we've got 17 people. So we had a couple of people leave for various issues. Um, and then we've let go a couple of people that were just not rock stars. And, but in the meantime, we've coupled that with firing a few clients that we didn't want to work with anymore. Right. So, so we, you know, increased profits by natural attrition, but also, um, have a higher level of staff. So that's worked out really well. One thing I will say is that like it, we've changed our mentality on who we want to hire. So our hiring process is longer. We've got a much deeper bench of people to choose from because we're naturally getting people coming to our site, filling out applications on our site consistently. So we don't have to go searching through Craigslist for, you know, to hire somebody anymore like we did four years ago. Yeah. It's like inbound, man. You, uh, it builds it up on both sides. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, my last question here, cause we've been able to hit a lot of different aspects of growth and how you guys are adjusting and scaling moving forward. Um, how was it hit? How has it hit your marketing? Have you guys made any tweaks to your marketing strategy, the types of content that you guys roll out? Um, how has that strategy changed, um, or pivoted as you've learned things moving towards this different, I guess, profile of client? Yeah, so I'd like to say, yeah, we've completely changed our messaging and it's in complete alignment with the, the personas that we're going after now. The reality is it's st still the stepchild, right? So Rob, who's taken over as a marketing manager for Blue Leads in the last two months, is slowly revamping all of our messaging, all of our offers, even our site. Our site, we're starting to redesign and, and gear towards that. And, you know, one of the things that we took Marcus Sheridan's advice on was creating a page on our site on who we're not a good fit for, right? Because we want to have that natural filter. Now, we have not made as much progress as I would like over the last um, six months, but we really just started focusing on it because, man, honestly, like we were just getting leads walking through the front door. Yeah. And, and we're like, yeah, this is great. We're selling, we're growing. And then the entrepreneur in you says, but wait a second, is 100% growth or whatever it might be, 50% for somebody, right? Is that enough? And this is great. I'm happy. 
But now I'm in that stage of complacency, like I'm not hungry anymore. Whoa, wait a second. Got to take a step back. I want a 500-person agency, and I want to dominate the inbound marketing world, right? So now what do I need to do to get there? So that's when we put the SDR process in place. We put Rob in there. We're starting to build a team internally to market just blue leads and get to that next level because I was getting lazy and happy, right? Mm -hmm. I feel you. This is – I mean your story is a cool story because – I think in all business, there's different phases that we walk through and there's different phases where you're going to shed clients, you're going to shed team members, you're going to learn and grow and evolve. And it's just really cool to hear, um, hear how you guys are walking through this next phase and the lessons that you learn. And then right away, the processes that you guys implement based on those lessons. Like I think the prospect fit matrix is a great example. You guys noticed that you had those clients that were, you know, not up to the, the budget, the class that you wanted. So you made a pivot and you implemented that process. You notice the clients were scope creeping. So you made a pivot in your pricing model and you now have a process to answer that. So if anyone listening, if you take anything away from this, I think Eric, you do a good job of assessing what's wrong and being honest with your team and yourself about what's wrong and then, you know, applying new stuff and trying it out. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not to toot my own horn because it's not me. It's the staff, you know, it's my team that's bringing all this stuff you know, to my attention because yeah. they feel it. Right? <laughs> they're, they're on the front lines feeling the pain. And sometimes it's positive feedback. Sometimes it's negative feedback. Like, hey, man, we hate working with this kind of client. We need to stop <laughs> doing this, right? I'm like, all right, and enough. I got you. I heard you. Got it. Yeah. But hey, if you don't pivot and you don't try something new, you know, you're never going to learn. So it takes, it's risky changing your pricing model. But I, I'm excited to have you on in a couple months later and see how, how that's going. Um, you know, folks just kind of keep doing what they're doing all the time or just do what HubSpot tells them to do. They're never going to stretch and grow themselves as a business. You can't just listen to someone else. You've got to go out there and try things on your own. So Hallelujah. good stuff. Awesome. Well, Eric, if anyone who's listening to this, they have any questions, they want to learn more about you, follow up. What's the best way that they can get a hold of you or reach out and say hi? Yeah. So they can always hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter, right? So it's Eric underscore Baum, B-A-U-M. Yeah, um, on Twitter and just uh, Eric or E B A U M B Z uh, is my LinkedIn profile URL, and of course they can reach out to me via the website anytime as well. So I am that's one of the things that I do do. I spend a lot of time talking with potential HubSpot partners and current HubSpot partners that that HubSpot channel account managers send over saying, "Hey, this person's struggling with this. Can you give them some advice on that?" Absolutely. I might not be the best advice in the world, but I can tell you, you know, what I did and how I failed at this and what not to do sometimes, right? That's fantastic. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time coming on the podcast here and just sharing your successes and your failures, and we're excited to have you back in the future. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.